Our gospel this morning is from the first chapter of John's version of the story, verses 43 to 51. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip. And he said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We've found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus from Nazareth, son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. And when Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said to him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked Jesus, Where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered him, Do you believe? Because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You'll see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly, I tell you, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. Last week, within the hour following worship, Two people who know me pretty well, even better than I realized sometimes, texted me to ask if I was okay, that I seemed off, even angry during worship. I didn't preach, I did all the other things. As much as I hate to give off such a vibe, especially when I'm leading worship, I can't say that I was too surprised. I blame part of all of that on the mask. My eyes don't smile, dang it, no matter how hard I try, and there's not much I can do to fix that. But the larger truth is that, as many of you know, I'm feeling as overwhelmed about life in the world these days as the rest of you might be too. And sometimes I forget that and don't realize how it shows as much as I wish it didn't. And it was a hard, holy, deeply meaningful thing to realize that two people who care about me could see me, even through the mask and over the internet in that way, and that they cared enough to let me know what they saw. And then he read about Jesus collecting disciples back in Galilee in John's gospel. And that constant command or invitation or double dog dare, whatever you want to call it, keeps coming up. Come and see. And I thought differently because of that about Nathaniel this time around. When Philip tells Nathaniel to come and see this Jesus... Nathaniel's like, yeah, whatever. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? I imagine Nathaniel rolling his eyes, stubbing out his first century version of a cigarette, if those existed then, 
and reluctantly following his friend, even though there were 37 other things he'd rather be doing than going to meet some knucklehead from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? But I like Nathaniel for that question and for his skepticism. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And I think Jesus liked him for it too. Because when Jesus approaches Nathanael, he seems to applaud him for it. Jesus says, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Here's a guy who isn't afraid to say what he's thinking. Here's a guy who isn't afraid to be suspicious even about this Lamb of God, even about this one about whom Moses and all the prophets had so many things to write about back in the day. And when Nathaniel wonders how in the world Jesus knows so much about him already, having never met, Jesus says that he saw him sitting under the fig tree sometime before Philip introduced them to each other. And no one knows exactly, we can't know exactly what Nathaniel was doing or what made Jesus notice him sitting under that fig tree on that particular day, but it sure meant something to Nathaniel that Jesus saw him there, really saw him, apparently. Maybe he was waiting for work. Maybe he was taking a break. Maybe he was rehearsing a difficult conversation he needed to have with his parents, with his wife, with his kid. Maybe Nathaniel was grieving a loss. Maybe he was praying for God to send him a sign of some kind. Maybe Nathaniel wasn't doing anything. But still, just marveled at the notion that Jesus had seen and noticed and remembered him at all. Whatever the case, seeing and being seen matter to Jesus. And it mattered for Nathaniel. And I think it matters for the rest of us, too. I know it mattered for me last Sunday after worship. We all want to know that we've been seen. We all want to know that we matter, that our words and our thoughts matter, that we're not alone in this world. We all want to know that someone somewhere cares enough about us to worry when we struggle and to celebrate when we succeed. To be seen and heard, really seen and heard, is to have our value and our worth confirmed. And to know we matter to someone other than ourselves. So it mattered terrifically for Nathaniel to know, even in spite of his skepticism, that he'd been seen by Jesus. It mattered so much that he followed that knucklehead from Nazareth and became one of his faithful disciples in the beginning. I heard someone this past week talking about what happened in Washington, D.C. last week, on January 6th, at our nation's capital. The violent, hate-filled, murderous riot or insurrection or attempted coup or terrorist attack, I'm not sure what we're supposed to call it yet. I think it was a little bit of all of those things. 
Well, this pundit was talking about the likes of those who stormed the Capitol that day and about what it is or was that inspired them to go to such crazed, ugly, violent extremes. Without mention of voter fraud or election corruption or any political issue in particular, this guy suggested that somehow over the course of the last four or five years or so, the president convinced a whole lot of rural, white, lower, and middle-class Americans that he had seen them in a way that no one else had seen or heard or cared about them before. He suggested that a particular demographic of our population had been or was convinced they had been ignored and dismissed and disregarded by the likes of Hollywood and the mainstream media and by politicians and political parties heretofore so that when Donald Trump seemed to see them, his words, their allegiance to him became so complete and so total and so blind so as to become dangerous and destructive and deadly even as we all saw it happen a week or so ago when these people, these rioters, were under the impression that all of a sudden no one was listening to them or seeing them anymore. And that made me think about something Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is famous for having said once, that a riot is the language of the unheard. Riot is the language of the unheard. It's important to know that Martin Luther King Jr. wasn't condoning or celebrating or advocating riot or violence in any way, and I'm certainly not either. In fact, when King said that a riot is the language of the unheard, he was simply acknowledging the truth of that notion while remaining committed to his very own nonviolent cause. As a man of God, as a follower of Jesus, as a leader in the civil rights movement. So I think there's a lesson still to be learned from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and from Jesus and Nathaniel in this morning's gospel about the unsettled and unsettling times we're living in. Because we have work to do all of us, when it comes to seeing and hearing one another in our country these days. Because I think we've stopped seeing and hearing one another in so many ways that matter and that really could make a difference in all of this. Obviously, those waving their Confederate flags and sporting their Camp Auschwitz hoodies need to come and see for themselves what oppression and injustice really look like. They need to stop and listen and come and see the stories of their black and brown and Jewish and Muslim neighbors, just for starters. Obviously, 
Democrats and Republicans need to come and see and hear and listen to the truth that exists on both sides of this imaginary aisle we pretend divides and separates us from each other. Obviously, the mob mentality and violent uprisings that threaten our safety and disrupt our democracy need to be condemned and stopped and held accountable so that they no longer look like a reasonable solution for anyone to engage, no matter what it is they're protesting. And what seems obvious to me, but not to everyone, I realize, is that we also need to stop pretending that it's okay or even preferred to steer clear of hard conversations about politics and religion in order to keep polite company. It's this kind of taboo, I think, that keeps us from seeing each other and that has allowed a disconnect between how we vote and how we behave and what we profess to believe as Christian people in so many ways. It is silence on the part of too many Christians and this sort of caveat against discussing or mixing politics and religion that allows a Jesus 2020 banner to hang alongside the gallows and a noose during the same insurrection. Those two things do not go together in any way, shape, or form. And please know, I'm looking at you and I'm also looking in the mirror today. Because those of us who think, and pretend, and have convinced ourselves that we are above and beyond and better than all of this might just need to crawl out from under our own fig trees, let ourselves be fully seen by Jesus for a change, and come and see for ourselves again. Jesus has been trying to show us all along. The stuff of courage that speaks truth with a capital T to power, I mean. The stuff of mercy and forgiveness, I mean. Which makes room for the stuff of repentance. Repentance, which when done faithfully and fully, implies confession and contrition, and change. And change that leads to the stuff of self-sacrifice, and humility, and the need for every one of us to offer and to receive grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Because if and when we gather the courage to practice that kind of faith, to see one another, and to let ourselves be seen, I mean, even in all of our cynical, skeptical, broken, sinful ways like Jesus saw Nathaniel, if and when we dare to engage honest, faithful, vulnerable conversations about all of this, then something might change. Then justice might be served. Then hearts might soften. Peace might win the day. And we might start following more faithfully 
The Jesus who died so that we might love one another. So that we might love our enemies, even. In a whole new, life-giving, earth-shattering kind of way. And then, 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 we might see something like what Jesus promised so long ago to Nathaniel and to those first disciples. We might see the heavens open up. We might see the angels of God ascending and descending in our midst and upon the Son of Man, which is another way of saying, if you ask me, that things will be more on earth as they are in heaven. Amen.